This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our house, while we were both in it, uh, exploded. I remember like getting in the backyard, you know, he was out there screaming my name. I I wanted to know she was alive. I lost a good part of all 10 of my fingers. He's the man, he wants to, he wants to fix it. He wants to take away my pain. He wants to take my frustration and he can't. You need to let people in. You have to let it out. You have to talk. You have to let people help you and they want to. You're not fooling anybody. When your wife is in the ICU and you're like, I'm okay. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm good. I'm fine. It's okay to talk about it. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Mary Couple podcast. Before we begin, we want to give a shout out to Mrs. Todd. Yeah, Mrs. Todd left a review on iTunes and she said, this podcast has blessed me and my hubby both more than you can know. I've listened to every single episode so far and he is almost caught up as well. We're a young married couple just starting out that very much appreciate the help and work you guys are doing. So thank you. And we say thank you, Mrs. Todd. We love it when people um, share their reviews on iTunes. It really helps the channel out. And yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Today with us, we have Medley and Kevin Boken, and they have an incredible story to share with us today. Yes, so we're thankful that they're here. Um, Just to give a little bit of background for Medley and Kevin, they've been married for a year, so they're newlyweds, and they're gonna be sharing with us some lessons that they've learned in their first year of marriage. And their first year of marriage um, was definitely the hardest year of their life so far. So this is a unique episode. It's longer than usual, but um, we think it'll be well worth listening to. Uh, So more background on Kevin and Medley. Kevin um, graduated from Southeastern Louisiana University with a bachelor's of science in biology and began medical school shortly thereafter um, at Louisiana State University Health Science Center in Shreveport. 
and Medley graduated from the same school, Southeastern Louisiana University Nursing School, um, with a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing, and began working at a woman's hospital in Baton Rouge on the medical surgery and oncology floor. And so this was all in 2017 when they started uh, a new chapter in their lives, and um, they got married in 2019. And um, just three weeks into their marriage, something very, very life altering happened. And they're here to tell us all about it. We are honored. Um, we just um, we told you guys this before we started recording, but we wanted to share with those who are listening that we first heard about you guys about a year ago when we posted a prayer request for you on Dear Young Married Couple. And it wasn't until a year later, you guys celebrated a one year anniversary um, of your marriage, but also one year anniversary of a significant event in your lives um, that we heard about you again and recalled that we had uh, put out a prayer request for you. And man, we are just honored that you're here to share with us the story of what we would think is probably the hardest year of your lives, even though it was your first year of marriage. And so um, we're going to be learning from you some lessons that you've picked up along the way. Um, but but before we jump into lessons, we, we just want to hear about you guys and, and your story. So it's funny that um, we kind of went to the same college. We kind of had similar circles of friends for a while and mm. just never really met each other. And it's like mm. all at once we had a mutual friend invite us to help with the same thing. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. a very, very side project ministry thing. And, um, and I saw this girl and I said, my goodness, she is just too cute not to ask out. <laughs> and, um, I worked but, a long time until we got to that point. <laughs> it took a while to get up the courage. Yes. <laughs> we tried to go, you know, like the friend route yeah. and stuff. And it was like really slow and cautious. And um, it was probably a probably almost two years yeah. later before you actually asked yeah. me out. Okay. I, I mean, I knew this, this girl was super good looking. She was just, you know, 10 out of 10 and everything. And I'm like, I got it. I can't just, you know, go with this. I can't on pass this up. Yeah. So, um, but we got to know each other and it's funny that right before we started dating, um, our lives really changed a lot. Um, in this part of the state in the year 2016, mm-hmm. uh, there was a big flood. Her, her church uh, flooded. Mm. My home church flooded. Oh. Um, several people we knew. My grandparents, grandparents flooded. flooded. My goodness. Um, so it was a bit of a, a crazy time. And that's sure. kind wow. of how we spent some time together. Wow. Uh, so you guys, I mean, even in your dating years, you <laughs> started becoming familiar with crisis. Oh, yes. It's and resiliency. Yeah. 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 Along with that, I, um, I lost two grandparents that mm-hmm. year. Mm. Um, wow. I lost my, my grandmother in January of 16. And, um, that was, that was hard for me. Um, probably oh, out yeah. of all my grandparents, she was the one that I was like the closest to. And mm. so that was a big thing for our family. And then later that year, um, my grandfather on the other side of the family passed away and that was hard. And then he's mm. right. It flooded around the same time. And wow. our 
our church and several families in our church and then his church and his grandparents and um, a lot, lot of people in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually my best friend who introduced us, her house uh, flooded. And so that's actually okay. where we spent some time. Yeah. Uh, we gutted her house together. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> He came and helped uh, gut our church. And yeah, so we started mm. off. Yeah. Uh, we weren't even actually dating then. We were just yeah. friends. I was just friends. hopeful. I thought we were just friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was another yeah. motivator. <laughs> yeah. You should have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then when did it go from just friends? Yeah, when did you, when did you ask? <laughs> well, that's... Uh, so the the night I asked her parents uh, if if I could date her and and to make sure it was all good, that was a Saturday mm-hmm. night, a Saturday mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. and the next morning at like four four a.m. I was flying out for a missions trip and Singapore. so yeah to Singapore. <laughs> so it's no, funny so would that would you be my girlfriend? Okay, I gotta go though. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> That's about how it That's went. That's exactly how it happened. And, um, wow. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and then. So you were long distance then for how long? Yeah. Well. Yeah. That was in December. And then that was my last semester of college. Okay. We were both pretty busy. She was in nursing school. I was finishing up my undergrad. Okay. And then a little bit after that, I actually moved to Shreveport for medical school, which. Mm-hmm was really a lot for me. And so yeah. it, it's like it continuously became longer and longer yeah. distance. Wow. So. Even in the very beginning, we mm-hmm. lived uh, about an hour apart. So we both just had so much going on. We were both in school full time. We both had heavy, you know, coursework. I was in nursing school and mm-hmm. you know, had clinicals and I was very involved in my church. And Kevin was you know, finishing his undergrad and doing research and doing a lot of extra stuff at school yeah. mm. um, and lots of honors programs and stuff. You guys are very busy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were yeah. very busy and uh, we honestly <clears throat> didn't have a lot of time to spend together, even mm-hmm. though we only lived an hour apart. Right. Um, and although we went to the same college, we were at two different locations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because mm. the nursing portion was at a different um, campus location so we still weren't in the same spot ever mm. um, and then we had been dating six months when he got accepted into medical school and he moved five hours wow. north oh my goodness oh man if you're familiar with medical school at all it's not <gasps> something that you know he could like do Monday through Friday and then come home every weekend like that was so we've not heard all yeah <laughs> oh, man not at all so um, when he moved up there, we probably saw each other about every four to six weeks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is hard. Hours. Yeah. <sighs> and it was, uh, you know, it, it was intense. Um, I needed a lot of support, uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to be a, a good boyfriend. Uh, right. Um, so it was definitely not the ideal dating, uh, sequence you know it's like we got farther and farther as time went on as life kind of got more demanding so yeah how do you guys bring that back because i know how you said we got farther and farther i kind of took that as like 
maybe you guys were distance wise, but mm-hmm. it seems like you guys probably were emotionally separating with as time isn't being spent with each other. But how did you reconnect? Um, well, I did, we talked every day, um, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the phone because so he graduated his undergrad um, in the spring of 2017 okay. and moved to Shreveport. I graduated um, with my bachelor's in nursing in December of 17. Okay. So Kevin's full-time in medical school and I graduated, started um, a job in a hospital um, and I was on day shift for about five months and then I started night shift. So I was doing <laughs> night shift, 12, 12 hour night shift and he was Ooh. in medical school. Wow. So oh my word. we were really kind of like passing <clears throat> ships in the night a lot yeah. of the time, but um, we did try to carve out time to talk on the phone, probably mm-hmm. at least like twice a week. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it was like, you know, he was leaving school and I was on my way to work. And wow. so it might be about like 30 minutes, but we would try to like, um, you know, try to talk about the important stuff, I guess. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you made it quality time, not just we like, yeah, we right. tried. Cause you didn't have quantity. Super successful, yeah. but, yeah. um, it was really hard. Not going to lie. Yeah. Sure. I think we started leaning on each other emotionally, um, you know, as, as reasonably as you can. Um, but you know, we really tried to be a comfort to each other. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, just knowing it's like, Oh, she just got off work. And so I can't talk to her for three hours because she has to sleep. So, you know, it's like, you have to use a little restraint. Um, Mm -hmm. so you know, we just had to, learn to be more concise and, and to be yeah. kind of, I, I think we had to, um, I mean, we're very independent people by nature, but I think as far as in our relationship with each other, we had to learn to be independent because I couldn't always access him when I needed mm-hmm. him because he would be in a lecture or he would be in the hospital right. you know, doing some, patient thing or whatever. Um, and he couldn't always access me cause I was maybe sleeping or, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we really had to learn to be yeah. independent. Yeah, but, you did. Um, independent and patient. I mean, you hear some of these dating couples these days that are like, I sent him a text 30 minutes ago and he hasn't responded, you know, and yeah. you, you guys could not <laughs> yeah. act that way toward each other. Well, actually, <laughs> I have clients, a lot of clients too that are married when they're in crisis or, you know, things aren't going well and they get that desperation as well. Mm-hmm. And they have no restraint in that same way. It's like, do you realize you're, you're pushing them farther away every time you do this action? Mm-hmm. So learning that restraint and understanding, okay, well, sleep is pretty important. You probably <laughs> need to let her sleep in order to have a good conversation <laughs> at the always, end of, other end of this. Yeah. 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 Wow. So then uh, it moved, uh, despite being ships in the mm-hmm. night, um, it moved into, I want to marry this person and be with them yeah. for the rest of my life. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, you know, once the intentions were known, we, we wanted to get married. Um, we looked at the kind of long-term schedule and June 
in 2019 was kind of the best time to get married, to have our wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot due to my schedule and, and the time I'm allotted off. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of how we found a date. Uh, it mm-hmm. was kind of handed to us. And also kind of figured that it would, it was the best transition time, I think for us, Mm. uh, as you know, nothing's perfect, but it was probably a good a spot as we could have asked for. Okay. Were you still Um, in school at this point? Me? Oh yeah. Yeah. When you guys were going to get married? Yeah. So I only finished, uh, my first two years. So I was halfway. Um, so like the first two, a lot of college oriented stuff, lectures, like studying by yourself, um, not as much hands-on. Um, and then in that transition from the first two to the second two years, um, we get a a break, uh, we get two weeks off for summer. And so we're like, Oh great. We can fit a a wedding and a honeymoon in here. (laughs) (laughs) So you do hear about a lot of people who talk about getting married after they date, like, or I'm sorry, after school, uh-huh. mm-hmm. like we're not going to get married until after school or that's what everybody's pushing for. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose the other way? Yeah. I think just because we had already been dating six for six months when he got accepted and started mm-hmm. um, medical school and his medical school would be four years. And then after that, he would have a residency mm-hmm. that would be either three to four years mm-hmm. or yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just kind of, you know, like, obviously, we're not going to wait eight years to get mm-hmm. married. Like, mm-hmm. when you're yeah. all done, like, that's crazy because we'd already been together for six months. Mm-hmm. So um, he's right. We just kind of looked at his schedule and. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you'd rather do it together do, than. separated yeah Yeah. and that's the thing is you can wait I mean there are obviously instances where where you know waiting might be better but for us it's kind of like it's not going to be perfect if we go ahead and get married but we would rather be together Mm. and just slog out these whatever years and Mm. instead of waiting for a possibly more ideal time yeah we were just wanting to be married we were ready to (laughs) be together I mean, we had both, you know, already graduated um, with our bachelor degrees and right. I was working full time and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we knew he was going to have a lot of schooling ahead. So, yeah. Yeah. so it just didn't really make any sense to wait um, yeah. Yeah. until he was done. Yeah. We're with you. We We're with you. <laughs> we did the same thing. Yeah. Well, and like, like you said, Kevin, there might be those instances where it does uh, benefit the couple to wait you know, when you look at the benefits to risks ratio, but in a lot of cases, we are on that train of like, just, you know, get married and you can be in school while you, you're married. If you yeah. know that they're the one, yeah, you might yeah. as well work yeah. side by side in the coffee shop doing your homework rather than <laughs> yeah. like having your emotional energy on this other side of the world, yes. you know? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. So you guys just decided, Hey, two weeks, we'll get married. We'll have a honeymoon. So you scheduled it. Yeah. Well, you should tell them like how that all happened. Oh, so the reason that I get two weeks, technically, if mm-hmm. you looked at the schedule for, and a lot of schools do it similarly, if you looked at the end of second year, like in the beginning of third year, there's a long like 
how many months, like three or four months. There's a long, like off period, Okay. but that's not technically true. That's what they call dedicated study time because you actually take your first national licensure exam, your step one. Okay. Pretty infamous for med school students. And it's, it's the biggest deal of med school, which is Mm. kind of sad that it's in the middle, (sighs) but it, it really is the most important thing. So a lot of schools, you actually start studying from day one. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah, sorry. Um, the reason we only had two weeks, I had to study, take my exam, and then I was done with second year. And then, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. all of that to say, <laughs> he took his big licensure exam five days before our wedding. Yeah. <gasps> so while she was planning a wedding and trying to get everything, I was missing in action. Whoa. <laughs> I was just so, studying as much as I could. I was working nights full time. Yes, she was I was working. very involved at my church. Kevin's five hours away, studying <laughs> his mind away. Mm-hmm. And I and you're like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you're like, here's your suit. Put it on. This yeah, is where you much. walk. Basically. Oh my she goodness. She's super. She's the best planner ever. <laughs> <laughs> she's the best a lot of things to do that yes, on her own absolutely. Absolutely. wow uh, so then how did your exam go kevin i passed nice and i couldn't be happier i that's funny that was actually the first news i got when i woke up in my like normal hospital bed i had mm. two of my faculty there and they said congratulations and i'm out of it and i'm like you know, why, wow. why am I being congratulated? And they said, you passed your exam. And I said, I don't really care at this point. I'm just <laughs> glad wow. to be alive. But seriously, perspective, so, right? So then let's, let's rewind. Yeah. What are you talking about with the hospital? Yeah. Tell us so, that story. You know, um, we got married on June 15th and then on July 9th, um, our house while we were both in it, uh, exploded. Uh, it was a gas explosion and we almost died. Um, Mm -hmm. medically medley was more critical than I was. And, um, so I woke up first. Um, but basically right after the explosion, we, we had to be brought to the hospital. Um, wow and and operated on immediately oh my goodness do you so guys have was, memories of the actual explosion yes. oh yes every oh, single yes. Uh, we <clears throat> both remember every single thing mm-hmm. wow. wow what what happened you're just in your house and all of a sudden boom there was an open gas line in the house that was on for hours okay when we came back so let's back up yeah. we had been through a lot of issues with this house. Um, it's a rental house. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had been there in the house for two and a half weeks already. We had no hot water, no washer and dryer because a lot of stuff in the house was gas. Like the Mm. the stove was gas. The water heater was gas. Mm. The dryer was a gas dryer, Mm. which we'd never heard of that before. Anyways, we have finally gotten the gas turned on that day. Mm-hmm. Kevin was at school. He was already like well in his, you know, first, second week of third year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I, 
had come up after him a few days because he had to get back. We, we got back from our honeymoon. He had to go straight back to Shreveport to start like orientation for his third year. Like, mm-hmm. bam. I was still down here in the Baton Rouge area, which is where we're from. Okay. Packing boxes. And so I was mm-hmm. a couple days behind him just bringing some more stuff up. And our plan was we were going to get settled. Um, you know, I was going to unpack the house and get everything set up. Then I was going to start looking for a job okay. um, mm-hmm. up there. Um, so we had gotten the gas turned on that day. Finally, after living in the house two and a half weeks with no hot water, <laughs> you know, imagine. all these wow. things. Yeah. Um, so we got the gas turned on and then I had left to run a lot of errands. Kevin had actually met me out. Um, we had done a bunch of things. So we were gone from the house all day after mm-hmm. the gas had been turned on. We came okay. back that evening. <gasps> Um, and things just kind of spiraled from there. We were so. in the house when it actually uh, yeah. exploded. Yeah. Um, so there was an open gas line that obviously we did not know about mm-hmm. because it was uh, just turned on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um. Wow. Yeah. So Man. the house exploded. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. yeah. So yeah. then, Kevin, you woke up first after. Yeah. The house had exploded and, mm-hmm. and you guys were burned at that point mm-hmm. and you woke up. What happened? Hey friends, we'll be right back to our interview, but one quick note, if you love what you're listening to, you might also enjoy going through our card decks that we designed to help couples stay connected and in each other's world. So there's foundations, which is our starter deck, and it's all about boosting your communication skills. And then there's Sexpectations, which is all about spicing up your intimate connection. And then there's Realizations, which is a deck for all couples, but especially dating or engaged couples who want to see how well they really know each other. So grab a deck or two or three by heading over to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash cards. All right, back to the show. So I woke up, I think, once in the ICU um, and I only spent... 12 or 20 hours in the ICU. And then I was transferred to a, a regular room in the burn unit, uh-huh. which thank God the Shreveport actually has a burn unit. So we mm-hmm. were only minutes away. And, and, but that's, that's sure. another of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I woke up pretty soon after the accident um, and quickly realized or, or learned that Medley had not, and she was in a much more serious condition. Mm-hmm. And that was obviously a, a priority. Yeah. From the get-go. Wow. Man, I can I imagine miss. your emotion hearing that sitting in a hospital bed, feeling powerless <clears throat> yeah. to do anything. It, it was pretty devastating and scary and, mm. you know, survivor's guilt, feeling responsible, at least sure. partially responsible. Um, yeah. So it was a, a long time before I could really grip the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. Take your time. Yeah. We saw a photo of, of you guys. Um, I don't know which hospital room it was in, if it was the ICU or otherwise, but you were bandaged up, Kevin. And, mm-hmm. and the, I think it was the first time you had seen Medley. Mm-hmm. Um, in the hospital. Can you tell us about that moment? Um, 
Yeah, I I mean, it it was so surreal. Yeah. It just mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was actually happening. Because, yeah. you know, we were young, we were healthy, we tried to take care of ourselves the best we could. Right. Yeah. Um, we, you know, felt like we had a lot of control over our lives before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in just a very short while, me struggling to walk down the hall to her room mm-hmm. uh, and and I was bandaged up like you stay from basically head to foot. I couldn't even see my fingers yet. Yeah. And to see her um, and the doctor wasn't worried, but we weren't out of the woods yet at that point. So it was, mm-hmm. you just feel so helpless. Yeah. And I don't know. I think, you know, people talk about having a child and you're like, Oh my goodness, this is great. This is so amazing. And you see this like delicate creature. And I don't say that to make her sound infantile, but it's almost like that same depth of feeling. It's like your, your person and your outlook has been deepened, but you just feel like you can't do anything. And so, mm. wow. It was, yeah. it, it was a lot. And, um, yeah that contrast of just going from being so in control. I mean, a doctor and a nurse, you know, you're in med school, like you've planned out your life so much so that your wedding is right in your two week break, you know, and then going from there to, Oh my goodness. Like everything has been stripped from our control entirely. Wow. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. How about for you, Medley? What, um, when did you, what was the first time, when was the first time that you actually became aware that what had happened? Um, well, we remember, uh, like we said earlier, we remember everything, um, that happened following the explosion. So, Uh um, you know, I remember, you know, all the things like the fire, happened and you know like I knew the only thing that I could think about was I have to get out of the house I have to get out of the house I have to get out of the house so Kevin was in a different part of the house than me so he had he had gotten to like the back doors in our kitchen and he had like actually unlocked the door and he had gotten out in the backyard Mm. and so um I knew from where I was, like, that was my quickest, like, route of escape. Uh Um, And so I remember just, like, uh, you know, getting myself up and, like, trying to get through those doors. And I remember, like, getting in the backyard and, um, you know, he was out there screaming my name. And um, it's just crazy even to think back on it now because it almost feels like a dream. Like Mm -hmm. how did that actually happen? But um, it actually did happen. Um, But um, the way that everything worked out that day um, was honestly miraculous Mm -hmm. in the midst of, um, you know, the worst possible situation. Um, mm. you know, Tell us about that. Well, um, it's just a miracle. Like everybody, um, we would come to find out was at the right place at the right time. Um, mm. 
So we had just moved into this neighborhood. We didn't know anybody um, yet. So we got in the backyard and, um, you know, Kevin was like, we've got to get farther away from the house. So we got, we ran like towards, Ooh. towards the back of our um, backyard. backyard to get farther away from the house. And um, that was a very smart move because I'm like laying in the grass, like, mm -hmm. you know, I had gone back as far as I could and I just like, you know, fell to the ground and um, I couldn't feel any pain, but I was just exhausted. And like mm -hmm. in my mind as a nurse, you know, like <laughs> I, I was having trouble breathing and I knew mm. that like that wasn't a good thing. And yeah. I knew that I was burned badly, but um, anyways, we're laying in the back and um, there was, a second explosion mm -hmm. in the house and it was much bigger and mm -hmm. much more powerful than the first wow. one had been. Wow. And so, I mean, it Thank like, God. it busted out mm -hmm. the, all the glass in the mm -hmm. house, like, yeah. you know, so it was a really smart move on his part for us to be farther back in the backyard. But I bet. Yeah. Wow. To start like the, the series of events, um, we're in the backyard. I'm laying down. Kevin is like running around screaming for somebody, anybody to, to mm -hmm. hear us, to help. Um, and on the street in front of our house, there was um, a man and his wife driving by. And they were driving by our house at the exact time of the second explosion. Mm -hmm. And so... They stopped. The wife called 911. The husband jumped out of the car, mm -hmm. came around like um, on one backyard. side of our fence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And came into the backyard. So he was like looking in the backyard and he was yelling like, is there anybody back here? Is mm -hmm. there? And wow. he saw us. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, is there anybody still in the house? And Kevin was like, no, we need help. We need help. And he was like, my wife is calling 911. Anyway, mm -hmm. this man actually stayed in the backyard with us. Um, wow. And because they were driving by at like just the right time, the other miraculous thing is that our house was um, about three blocks away from a fire station, actually. <sighs> so that was a miracle. Um, so they were there within... They minutes. were there within about yeah. three minutes, yeah. we think. Wow. Um, yeah. And this man that <clears throat> found us, you know, he stayed in the backyard with us. And, you know, when the paramedics and everything got there, he, like, stayed out of the way. He was over there just against the fence. And he mm -hmm. was – he knelt down. And he uh, – we would later find out that he – uh, just knelt down and prayed for us the entire time that yeah. all of this craziness was going on. Wow. Um, and mm. then on top of that, he um, was a an officer uh, in the sheriff's office. Mm -hmm. He was like a oh. sheriff corporal or something. Yeah. Mm. Off duty. Just he was driving off by. duty with his wife yeah. um, oh. and just at the right place at the right time yeah. and like, knew what to do, like mm -hmm. knew what the protocol was. Sure. 
and felt yeah. the confidence to get out of his car and come back there and like yeah. kind of like search you out. Yeah, like showed no fear. I mean, yeah. we were actually surprised mm-hmm. that somebody was like coming through the fence with yeah. like the house was still on fire. Like, and you just know, blew everything. Up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's like in regular clothes, like <sighs> coming through our fence, making sure nobody else is in the house. Wow. And, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. amazing. What a, what a bright spot in a dark day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He really did put his life in danger. Um, yeah. you know, obviously we didn't think we were just like, great, this guy's here. He, he helped call the police. This is great. You know, thinking back on it, he could have easily been injured had he been next to the house when mm-hmm. it actually really exploded or, or anything. So right. he really did put his life on the line. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that, because he appeared just a few seconds mm-hmm. after the, mm-hmm. the, the bigger explosion. So that means he was already out of his car and heading towards our house from the street when it exploded the mm-hmm. second time. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And that's just like the first thing of, of all the things that mm-hmm. were just like yeah. perfectly lined up. Um, yeah. You know, the paramedics being there within three minutes. And, and your hospital had a burn unit. Uh, unit. Our, yeah. The hospital. That's uh, huge. Just uh, about 10 minutes away, 15 mm-hmm. minutes away from us um, <clears throat> has a well-known burn unit mm-hmm. um, with amazing uh, burn surgeons and our burn surgeon, um, who is part of our family now <laughs> legitimately, um, you know, he, he has been doing this for 30 years, mm-hmm. well-renowned, well-known. Um, and, you know, just to add layers on layers to this, um, his son-in-law mm-hmm. is a, an ER doctor and his son-in-law was working in the ER when they got the call that they were bringing mm-hmm. um, us in. Mm-hmm. And um, so son-in-law knew it was pretty bad. And so he like called his father-in-law and was like, Hey, I don't know where you are or what you're doing, but you wow. know, we've two burns that are really bad mm-hmm. and you need to get here. Like you need to be on your way. You need to be on your way. Yeah. Wow. And this is and part of saving your life exactly. at this point. Right. Yeah. Because you know, at this, at, at that point in time, every literally every second mattered, mm-hmm. yeah. especially for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was like, okay, I'm, you know, like I'm on my way, like right now, mm. um, you know, and we love to tell the story that um, he was, he's a very, you know, faith-based man. And uh, he was actually leaving uh, a prayer meeting at his church mm-hmm. um, on a Tuesday <sighs> night. Um, and he came straight from his prayer meeting to the hospital. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and yeah, mm. just, so many incredible things happened. Um, oh, wow. Kevin had a, a, a an established church there uh, in Shreveport, mm-hmm. and um, somehow they the, found out. I think the parishioner they'll they'll sometimes have parishioners on call at hospitals. The mm-hmm. the guy that was there, he got notified, and somehow he told someone or it was found out or I don't know if they knew our names or whatever, but somehow they got in touch with my pastor 
in Shreveport. And so they were there well within an hour, I believe. Wow. And, and they stayed the, the pastor and, and the guy who's the assistant, they stayed until our families got there, oh. which was like this three in the time. morning. Um, wow. Kevin's family was here in the Baton Rouge area. So they were about four hours, four and a half hours away. My mm. family um, was actually on a trip. So they were in Oklahoma at the <sighs> time. So it was going to be about um, nine hours before they got there. Anyway, mm. yeah, the, uh. um, the parishioner on call that night, uh, he came, of course, and prayed for us. But he knew um, there was another minister that used to be um, a parishioner at the hospital and our chaplain at the hospital. And so he knew the situation was bad. And so he said, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to call him just to see if he'll pray. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that it was Kevin's pastor. pastor. Oh, wow. And the, the, the chaplain that um, was on call, he had no idea mm-hmm. that there was a connection. But um, wow. anyway, mm-hmm. so it was very special to us because yes. Kevin's pastor and um, they were there uh, within an hour and um, we loved them. You know, I mm-hmm. had met them, of course, and um, I loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we loved the church. And uh, Kevin's pastor was actually the only one that was allowed to stay with Kevin in the mm-hmm. emergency room. Yeah. Oh, okay. And wow. so wow. Um, he actually went back and stayed with Kevin. Oh, um, thank really God you had on. someone that was able to stay there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I wasn't aware of that at the time. I was wondering, I, were you conscious? Yeah, I was. I remember after the explosion i remember everything up until them putting me from the the gurney from the ambulance onto the or bed so i remember them transferring me and then i was pretty much gone Mm -hmm. they they tell me that because i was intubated um obviously you can't speak with a tube in your throat (laughs) that i was trying to ask how medley was but he couldn't talk. But so how do you say wife? Obviously, uh, that everyone understands, you know, the tube in your mouth. Yeah. Right. His, uh, his pastor was back there and, um, I think his wife too. No, she was Cause she was the one who said, he's talking about his wife. No, brother Daniels was, I think it was. Brother Daniels <laughs> told okay. me. Okay. Brother Daniels okay. told me. It was him. Gotcha. <laughs> Anyways. And I was like, gesturing to his left hand my finger and he was trying to gesture to like his ring finger and yeah. so the nurses were oh. like oh is your finger hurt they're yeah. like is your finger <laughs> this and I was, one. is your finger hurting oh is his ring finger they're talking so like oh the nurse they were like oh he's talking about his ring he's talking about his ring and they're like <laughs> you didn't have a ring on I'm, I'm sorry we don't know what happened to it you didn't have it and his pastor was like no, he's trying to ask about his, his wife. wife. <laughs> and they were like, oh. Yeah. And so Brother da- brother Daniels, that's mm-hmm. his name, he was like, he's trying to ask about Medley. And mm-hmm. Kevin like nodded his head yeah. like, yes, mm-hmm. finally somebody understands <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and they, mm-hmm. they wouldn't tell him very much. They said she's yeah. okay. They said she's which she's you out. know she's alive that yeah that's okay <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to know she was alive right. I, sure. I knew right. any more information than that wouldn't help but i i did want to know if 
she was here. Yeah. They said, she's okay. She's in the OR. They're working on her now. She's okay. And so I was, that was good enough for me. At that so point. yeah, just a lot of miraculous things that happened. Yeah. So many miracles. Immediately we had incredible support. And I mean, you know, it wasn't just the pastor and his wife. I mean, it was lots of other people from their church and, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have to stay at the hospital until three o'clock yeah. on a weeknight, yeah. you know, yeah. and one of them had work the next day, you know, like mm-hmm. they didn't have to do that. I was brand new to the church. I had only been to like one or two services, mm-hmm. um, but they're just incredible, awesome people. Wow. And, um, it's amazing. How was, how, how important was that support from other people? For your was, well-being, it everything. It, yeah, it it, it really, really you know, Bible says, "Rejoice with those that do rejoice, and weep with those that weep." And yeah. that that is so significant, and not just for us, but for our families too, because mm-hmm. neither of our families lived in in the Shreveport area, yeah. you know, very far for both of them, and so for them to be there by themselves you know, yeah, that's a lot. And so the fact that we had all these other people, yes. church members, whomever, mm-hmm. um, just being a comfort mm. was amazing for us, but it was also amazing for our family. Um, yeah. For them to witness the body of Christ being present. Well, you know, at first, I think, um, you know, at first for those first couple of weeks, I really think that that support meant more to our families, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, than it did. I mean, obviously I was in medically induced coma for about two weeks. So I, I wasn't aware of anything Mm -hmm. that was going on. Um, but for Kevin and for our families, it meant the world. Um, Mm -hmm. because like you said, you know, our families didn't live there. So they spent the first like two nights like spending the night in a waiting room and like mm-hmm. trying to sleep like curled up on waiting room chairs yeah. and, you know, yeah. and eventually they got hotel rooms but um and then eventually after that they were actually able to stay in um the hospital has what they call a burn house and oh. it's a, mm-hmm. a house that they offered to burn families um Wow. Family members that are going to be in the burn unit for a long mm-hmm. time. Wow. Well, that's a blessing. Um, I didn't even so know that existed. Eventually, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. eventually that became available. But yeah, those first couple of weeks, like, you know, people bringing food to our families mm-hmm. and um, bringing yeah. supplies like Ooh. toiletries and, you yeah. know, just anything they could think of to like help our families out. Um, you know, that just meant the world. And then after, you know, I woke up and was aware, I mean, Mm -hmm. it was just incredible, the support, you know, that we had, the people that were there uh, to support us and to give support to our families. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were going through like, you know, just such a tragedy. Yeah, Um, for sure. You know, uh, we both had several surgeries and you know, especially for me, it was a long process and uh, lots of surgeries. And what was uh, the percentage of you guys have said it online, but I can't remember the the percentage of your body that, that was burnt for each of you. I was about 30, 35%, mostly second degree, some third. Um, so how many surgeries did you have? 
I don't remember exactly. You had about four. Four. That sounds right. So I was, you know, I would have died had I not been operated on, but yeah. I was quickly stable. Um, Medley was much more severe. He was in the ICU <clears throat> for about a day, and he was in the hospital for about two weeks. Three weeks? Three weeks. Three weeks. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, he had about four surgeries. Mm -hmm. I was burned 96%. Man. Second and third. Um, a lot of that was third. Yeah. Mostly third. Very yeah. um, Very. I was in ICU, the burn ICU for three months. <sighs> and then I was in a regular room for about a week. And then I was transferred to um, like a like an LTAC hospital. It's so a like hospital. a smaller hospital mm. <laughs> that wasn't quite as acute care, mm -hmm. but was still a hospital. Okay. Um, so I was transferred to their ICU and I was there for about nine weeks. Okay. Yeah. So altogether, I was hospitalized for about five and a half months. Mm -hmm. My How goodness. many surgeries did you have? 27. Yeah. Wow. You probably wish for no more. <sighs> you do. <laughs> You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Get old. Yes, so you do. guys, I mean, we're talking numbers, but like these are experiences yeah. that you've had in mm -hmm. your first year of marriage. Yeah. Talk to us about... I mean, okay, so I'm hearing a lot of optimism, like even from the beginning, Kevin, you were like, and even gratitude. Yeah, gratitude, optimism. Um, what other character traits would you say were present for you and people need to have present in order to make it through a crisis? Um, well, I definitely did not feel optimistic in the beginning. <laughs> okay. uh, I just want to let that be made plain. Um, okay. I, I am not going to uh, sugarcoat it. I had mm. a pretty bleak outlook and I felt really bad. I yeah. felt like a failure actually. Cause I thought mm. what kind of husband has his wife in the hospital, even, you know, even though, you know, we didn't ask for this, but right. um, yeah. I would say for someone who goes through this, um, you need to let people in. You mm. have to let it out. You have to talk. You have to let people help you. Mm. And they want to, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, <laughs> when your wife is in the ICU and you're like, I'm okay. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm good. I'm fine. You're, mm. it's okay to talk about it. It's okay yeah. to not be okay. And for people who I, I guess are around someone who needs help, I mean, I, I guess I'm speaking to me like I, okay. it's okay to push a little bit. Obviously you don't want to beat anyone over the head and say, no, stay home, sleep, whatever. Like, <laughs> but sometimes you, you have to be a little forceful and say, no, it's okay. And just, I don't know, almost smother mm -hmm. them with love a little bit. Sure. Not yeah. true for everybody, but like, I guess for me, I was just so resistant to saying I'm not okay. And what did that mean to you to say you were not okay? That you're scared and you feel like it's your fault 
and you feel like a failure and like you could have done so much better. I, I really, and both of us had this, but a lot of PTSD when we first woke up. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Big time. You, for us, part of that was reliving the event. And so you're constantly thinking, why did I do that? I knew I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this differently. I, I, I yeah. you're blaming yourself so much. Sure. And that just doesn't solve anything. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you could have done something better, but you know, who cares at that point? It's yeah. not helpful. So yeah, I guess you need to not bear that weight in a sense of guilt. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be semi-responsible and to do what you can to help, but from a negative aspect, beating yourself up doesn't help. Yeah. And sometimes people have to help you take that burden off because mm-hmm. you can tell yourself, I know it's not my fault. I know it's not my fault, but sometimes you, you need that counsel, that communication, that confirmation mm-hmm. from others. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> yep. absolutely. Wow. So as far as um, your encouragement to each other, I mean, we're talking about outside people encouraging you, but I mean, you guys are newlyweds and you're first, just figuring this out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your, your dating year we started. Still are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, so you, you started off encouraging each other through crisis in your dating years, but now you Seriously. experience the, the biggest crisis of your lives, bigger than most people would ever experience. Yeah. Um, how did you encourage each other through that just in the last six months or so? I think that um, when you're in the midst of it, you know, like when we were, when I was in the hospital and, you know, even, you know, the first several months after I came home from the hospital, um, I think we were just, we were both so focused on just getting through the day and, and the physical so much physical pain that I was going through and, and things that I was not able to do physically. And so for a long time, um, I think it was just us just trying to get through the day. Mm-hmm. And um, Kevin's always been, you know, an encourager, you know, for me, like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to, it's not always going to be this bad. Like, and he, you know, he's always been right there. Um, helping me and taking care of me. But, you know, I think we've both seen kind of like a shift. Um, Once we've gotten past some of like the critical physical things, Mm -hmm. we've begun to deal with a lot more mental and emotional things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I mean, the physical thing is always there, you know, like I lost um, a good part of all 10 of my fingers and, Mm -hmm. You know, I've had some, you know, other disabilities, um, you know, and I'm still in lots of therapy, physical therapy, occupational speech, every, every kind of therapy you can imagine I'm in it. Um, but as I am able to do more things and I learn to, to cope with my, uh, new disabilities and find independence, that's kind of what I'm talking about. It kind of shifts from, I'm not in as much physical pain and he doesn't have to help me as much. He still has to help me a lot. Don't get sure, me wrong. Sure. He doesn't have to do every little thing for me. Like 
like he did for months. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely shifted to us being able to spend more time dealing with the emotional and the, and the mental side of things. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're in a crisis, um, even though you may feel like anxious and you may feel depressed and yes, we did struggle with some PTSD and, and still do, um, you know, that kind of takes a back burner because the physical things are right in front of you and that demands right. your attention. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so things, you know, your mental health, I hate to say it, but your mental health really takes, takes a back seat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's only been probably the last four or five months that we've actually been able to, to kind of like breathe and be like, okay, <clears throat> now it's time for us to, to deal with the mental health and all yeah. the things that we've kind of put off or not been able to deal with. And mm -hmm. um, that's been a journey all in yeah. itself because I'm sure. you know, here we are working towards our first year, our first wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. We're living with my parents, um, yeah. you know, because when I came home, I, I required so much care and so much attention. Like there's mm -hmm. no way Kevin could have done it by himself. Yeah. Um, and, and we had to move in with my parents to have, you know, that support to have sure. their help. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we're still kind of in that transition period, you know, we're working towards being independent and being on our own. Um, and we're really close, we're really Aww. close to, yeah. to working towards that. Um, but I think it's been a different journey. Um, mm -hmm. You know, here we are, still newlyweds, yeah. living with his in-laws. Um, you know, my care still demands a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now that the pressure is off a little bit, you know, all those emotions are just, they just kind of come in. Like you yeah. kind of open a floodgate. Sure. And, you know, to be really candid, you know, just the, the depression and yeah. anxiety that, you know, it just kind of all comes in and, um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of guilt, especially for Kevin, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, he's the man he wants to, he wants to fix it. He wants mm -hmm. to take away my pain. He wants to take my frustration and he can't. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, he, he feels like he needs to be the hard worker and the provider. And, mm. you know, now he, he's just in his mind, he's not doing any of that. Um, and I think that that's been really hard on him. Sure. Um, just redefining your roles and responsibilities in your marriage. Roles and responsibilities. And you guys are having to adapt with what your future looks like. Yeah. Because yeah. It, you guys had such a, a laid out track of we're going this we way. Did. You're going to be a doctor and we're I'm a nurse planner. and yeah. we have our house built in the woods and it's beautiful. And you <laughs> all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah. And you're having to redefine what your life looks like, mm -hmm. your mental health, your physical health, like everything. So it's almost like you're building from the ground up. And I'm sure that's probably so overwhelming. Yeah. Like, and something that, you know, he and I have talked about throughout this, this journey. And, and we've kind of like laughed when we said this, but it's really so true. It's kind of like we, 
we started our marriage from like the end of what your marriage would look like. So we started our marriage with spending it in hospitals, spending it in rehab, you know, spending it with him sitting by my bedside and helping me eat and Mm. helping me drink. And we came home from the hospital and we spent, you know, months with him and my mom and my sisters, you know, helping me shower and doing dressing changes and wound care. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, we jokingly talk about, we started off our marriage like we're an 80 year old couple. (sighs) Yeah. And but it's getting better. But we're going backwards. You know, it's like we're going as I as I get better and as you know my recovery goes along. You know, we have to do less of that. But um, mm-hmm. it really is a unique situation. You know, we started yeah. off as newlyweds, and bam, like yeah. we're a sixty-year-old, seventy-year-old yeah. couple with all mm-hmm. these health problems, and he literally had to help me get out of bed and get into bed and he had to help me walk and push my wheelchair around and wow yeah that reality is just just think of it that way like you said starting your marriage off as an elderly couple and working back but it's also kind of in a way optimistic from your standpoint as well because you say you're working back so you have you have the outlook that it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, my, you know, we're super blessed. My recovery has, um, has come a long way. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. we've had awesome teams of people, uh, mm-hmm. friends and family being supportive and awesome teams of, of medical professionals, you know, yeah. and wow. all of our therapists and our doctors <clears throat> and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Speaking of that, another miraculous thing kind of that happened um, with my recovery, you know, our burn surgeon, he's so near and dear to our hearts. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been doing this for 35 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was one of the worst burns he's ever treated. Wow. And when we uh, were like leaving the rehab hospital or that actually wasn't even his hospital, but, um, he knew we were going back home. Um, you know, he told us, he said, you know, it's, it's your recovery is miraculous. And he said that I was timeline wise, I was about 30% ahead of schedule Mm -hmm. for normal, you know, like burn Mm -hmm. patients and their recovery. So wow. Kevin's right. We have not always been optimistic. Neither one of us. I think that's the resilience though. (laughs) Chris is saying that you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really encouraging. When we really um, take time to look back at where we've come from, Mm -hmm. I think we realize how far, um, you know, the Lord has, has, has brought us. And, um, you know, although it is hard and it's a fight, you know, day in and day out, especially my recovery is, it's a physical fight, um, Mm -hmm. with, with my physical disabilities, but, um, it really is amazing 
how far I've been able to come in just over mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have tried to encourage each other and, and be there. You know, I have bad days and good days and Kevin has bad days and good days. And some days um, are, we both have bad days together. Sure. <laughs> and sometimes, it's not always good to be on the same page. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of the time we don't have bad days on the same days. And I think that that is really Thank God. a good thing sure. because, yes. you know, I can encourage Kevin on his bad days and he can encourage me on my bad days. Mm-hmm. And How do you guys stay and not on the same page? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So your day is Saturday. The Lord, and my day is Friday. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you guys, how do you guys stay connected? That's what I was, I was wanting to ask. Yeah, so you have all of these people pouring into your lives from, you know, week three of your marriage. Um, and they're, you know, they're so present, physically present in every way, helping you like with um, your activities of daily living, like every single aspect of your life. Um, how do you guys stay connected and like, have that time where it's just you guys and, and not other people pouring in. How does that work for you? It's well, I would say it's probably not always perfect and it's not as good um, probably as it could be. Mm. Um, But I, I think that it is important to kind of set boundaries, um, especially when, you live with another family unit Mm -hmm. and um, you know, I think in some ways Kevin and I have tried to kind of set some boundaries and kind of tried to set aside um, at least a little bit of time um, that we can be, you know, alone, that it's just the two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether that's uh, I'll I'll tell you a lot of times what it is, um, is Kevin takes me um, to physical therapy and Mm -hmm. occupational therapy. Um, And thankfully all of that is like in one building. It's the same facility. Um, So a lot of times, you know, what we do, uh, I go to to therapy and I'm usually there for about three and a half, four hours. And, um, you know, Kevin will take that time to go and do something by himself to kind Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm get a break to kind of separate, you know, whatever it is that he's doing. Um, But then when he comes back and picks me up, a lot of times we try to like, um, we will, sometimes we just drive around uh, and talk. Um, Sometimes we go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, A a lot of times we'll um, like get a meal together after therapy and, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, just kind of spend some time, you know, just the two of us and um, just talking about the day and, or about, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, That's good. That's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that you actually have it carved out where it's like, Hey, whenever we go to therapy, well, the, these guys yeah. are, are, uh, they're experienced at carving out little times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. We've kind of like, looked back at um, all of our dating years since all this has happened and we're like, 
you know, our dating years weren't easy. Our engagement wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. We had to fight for everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, God, I guess he knew what he was doing. He yeah. was preparing us for, yeah, for this. It was, right. it was never convenient. No. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you want something, you have to work for it. And, uh, you know, like some people who spend every day of their dating lives together, uh, you know, someone has to go away for a week. They just think that's the end of the world. And well, maybe, but uh, when it's, when you have had like, you know, Oh, here's our weekend of the month or, or I'll see you in three weeks, you know, several days together feels like forever. So right. um, Mm. It kind of gives you a, a, a scale or a, a spectrum. A different outlook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A spectrum. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> what have you guys, the biggest lessons that you guys have learned ab- about marriage um, and maybe even about yourself through all of this? You go first. Um, being patient and assuming the best you can always take things in the worst way good morning what do you mean good morning you didn't say it like that yesterday you know you can just you can really read into everything in the worst way and that is that is the fastest way to being miserable um just like you you have to assume the best if you always look at everything in the worst way you will be miserable even on a great day and even when something doesn't go your way or how you like it, or something is frustrating, trying, I I definitely do not excel at this, but trying to not let that spill over. Um, It's easy to let one thing ruin your whole day. And then that day ruin the next day. And then, well, you've been gloomy for a week, but trying to assume the best and cut people slack. Yeah. Uh, Love covereth a multitude of sin, not, always trying to cover sin, but just, you know, sometimes somebody's having a rough day, yeah. giving them a little extra love and affection. Um, it goes a long way. Fix that. Yeah. So oh, me trying that. to be uh, patient and, and just assume the best. Yeah. How have you seen your situation change by adopting that new outlook or that new attitude? less miserable, less frustrated, uh, really. And, and you can yeah. appreciate things. I, I don't think you can appreciate something if you only see what's wrong with it because you, you have an unappreciative view. Um, mm-hmm. But even when, oh, I wanted to go here, but the restaurant's closed or they're no longer letting us sit down or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. you could let that ruin your evening or say, oh, we haven't been here in a while. And that's a, may sound like an insignificant thing, but I know things like that can bother me and can bother people. Yeah. And then that allows you to enjoy your evening, to enjoy each other, to enjoy your time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And just to not be so mad or angry or or miserable, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which, you know, just makes everything better. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. I'm, I'm hearing that you've chosen in the midst of a situation where, I mean, of anybody, you have every right to be a negative sentiment override and you've chosen positive sentiment override. And you can even feel justified in that too. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I have the right to be this. Yeah. Self-pity yeah. is a dangerous thing. It mm. is. Yeah. It's, it always feels self-justified. <laughs> <laughs> How about for you, Medley, something yeah. that you've learned about marriage, relationships, or just about yourself? You know, I think overall, like this entire experience has certainly shifted um, our perspective. Um, and I think it really kind of helps our outlook on life because, um, you know, everything that you, that, you know, couples might kind of fight about and argue about, um, you know, like finances and, you know, all these other things that, you know, a lot of people struggle with in their marriage. I Mm -hmm. think for us, it's kind of like, everything kind of pales in comparison to what we've been through. So it's, it's actually a a really great thing because um, we can look at pretty much any situation and um, it doesn't seem nearly as overwhelming or scary um, to us, you know, like, um, yeah, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation about finances. Uh, you know, we may not agree 100%, but it's not really an issue for us to talk about it and come to a compromise because sure. it just it just pales in comparison yep. to, you know, our experiences yeah. thus far. And Huge perspective I, shift. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I think that it has, um, like he said, uh, something that I have think that I've learned is um, you don't always see people see people struggle Um, you know for for us um, you know people always um, see part of part of my struggle because um, it's very outward you know with my appearance and all of my scars and um, you know my fingers and everything. Um, it's very apparent. And so it's a lot of the time it's easy for people to, um, to give me grace and give me compassion, you know, because they can see it. Um, but I think something that I've learned, um, and this is something I knew already, but it's just really been driven home for me is you don't always see people struggle. Um, you know, like for Kevin, Kevin has thankfully healed and um, he does have some scarring, but it's in places that, you know, people can't see. And so if people just see him out in public, you know, they would have no idea Mm -hmm. everything that he's been through and everything that he's going through. And I think for me, that's um, really been something that I've, I've um, held on to is, you know, my own husband, people don't see everything that, that he's going through and everything yeah. that he's struggling with. And uh, I think we've both kind of tried to turn that around. Um, that's one reason that we've been so open on our Facebook page um, because, and, and you know, y'all are therapists. Y'all have had so many patients that, you know, y'all have talked with. I'm sure that the people would never know the mm. struggles that they've yeah. been with, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, people go through abuse as, yeah. as children, um, even yeah. as adults, and you can't see that kind of stuff from the outside. Yeah, You're so, um, right. so I think it's a great, it's a great reminder for us to 
to be compassionate and to mm -hmm. always try to give people grace um, and especially to give each other grace. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even maybe when we feel like they don't, maybe they don't deserve it, but um, yeah. trying to just always put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that Kevin and I have tried to do a lot. I try to put myself in, in his shoes and how he feels. And he's done that of course, a lot with me. And I think that that can really shift your perspective. If you genuinely and truthfully will put yourself in your spouse's shoes and try to see how they might feel about something, mm -hmm. um, it gives you a totally different feeling and opinion. And you're able to be like, okay, right. let's take a deep breath step away from yeah. this conflict and our frustration mm -hmm. and our anger. Yeah. And if you can truly, you know, like see how they feel without getting offended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes a world of difference it in does. resolving conflict. <laughs> it does. And, it's beautiful. you know, just moving forward mm -hmm. and being able to, you know, yeah. And it's not easy. Uh, yeah. it's, and, uh, you know, it's easy to say. It's, it's not always easy to do, um, to admit when you're wrong or, or you're sorry. Or, or be able to say that you're sorry and, and be able to forgive quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That is huge. important and huge yeah. and mm -hmm. something that we're not always good at, but something that we're striving Try. towards. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. This has been absolutely incredible. You guys, um, just hearing your story and, um, being able to reflect on the lessons you've learned and how we can implement that in our lives. Um, because no, no two stories are the same. So nobody's going to hear this story and be like, Oh yeah, I've been through the exact same thing, you know, but if they can hear it and say, Oh, I can relate to that piece or, Oh man, if, and when we hit a crisis of any kind, if we can just learn that lesson that you've learned it and apply it in our lives, then um, people can be in a much better place mm. by applying some of these things. So thank you so much, you guys. So, so big. Thank you. We, we, um, we really don't even feel, you know, deserving of, mm -hmm. yeah. of any of, of this opportunity, you know, or, the page, you know, we've been amazed that people have stuck with our story. You yeah. know, like, can you share um, with the folks who are listening where where to find your page and um, follow yeah, your story? So, um, back when um, our this first happened, our friends started a recovery page on Facebook. It's called Kevin and Medley's Road to Recovery. So you can okay. find it on Facebook. You can also find it on Instagram. Um, we'll link it here in the show notes as well. Um, so yeah, our friends initially started that, um, right after this, this incident happened just as a way to like, um, keep, keep people updated, you know, mm -hmm. like all in the same place, because mm -hmm. honestly, sadly, mm -hmm. it's easier to use social media than it mm -hmm. is to like text and call, like, you know, yep. all of these people. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it started out as, um, a prayer request. Mm -hmm. that grew like wildfire and we were overwhelmed mm -hmm. with how many people shared, you know, like the prayer requests and then yes. to find out even y'all, um, mm -hmm. y'all shared it on mm -hmm. uh, 
y'all's social media. Um, mm -hmm. And then it turned into a place to update people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's amazing to us that people stuck with the updates. I mean, even, you know, because, I mean, my goodness, it was just so many and it was over such a long period of time. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward to the beginning of this year, um, you know, I, I had more time to, to spend on social media mm -hmm. and um, that was probably like the first time in my recovery that I had, I could devote a little bit of time to that. Mm. And I remember just feeling, you know, like really amazed that we had this platform still that people had stuck with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember telling, um, telling Kevin and telling um, some family members, you know, like, you know, I don't know why, but I just feel like that we should do something with this platform because all these people are still here and they're still mm. invested. You know, they've invested yeah. Yeah. time and energy into us. And even a lot of those people, you know, they donated to our mm. GoFundMe and Aww. they bought gifts off our registry and just like mm -hmm. all of these amazing things that, that people had, had done for us and given to us. Yeah. And um, we really just wanted to give back and we didn't really know how, you know, it would turn out. Um, but, uh, one of my best friends, she was like, you know, you should just share kind of like, it's a, you know, like it's a journal, so mm -hmm. to speak you to just, you know, share what you're thinking and feeling and, and what y'all are going through. And, you know, since we started doing that, um, it's amazed us like the, the page has continued to grow, <laughs> That's um, awesome. you know, like it, hasn't died down and hasn't left, you know, because like the, the medical updates are, you know, kind of over. So to sure. Speak. But, um, but I think Medley, you and Kevin, your, your attitude shines mm -hmm. big time. And when people, I think when they're in their situations, which seems such like such mountains in their eyes, like you said, you know, people are arguing about their finances and, you know, they are just tearing their marriage up, trying to figure out, you know, this little element. But then when you could pull back and see, you know, and give some perspective to, mm -hmm. to their argument, I think people go, well, yeah. <laughs> and it kind of puts us back into a place of gratitude and thankfulness and looking at how you're handling it and your resilience yeah. and your trust in God and the things that you say and project there give people that perspective that they need to be better Christians. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, that's what really speaks there. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, you know, we always say, um, you know, we were in the business of helping people, you know, I was a nurse and he was in med school and, you know, um, people are really our heartbeat and they always have been. Um, and, you know, especially, in addition to that, you know, just ministry and, um, you know, church life mm -hmm. and, you know, um, that's always been so important to us. And so I think, you know, we just kind of started to look at our situation and we were like, you know, what can we, what can we do with this? You know, mm -hmm. what can, 
what can we learn and what can we, what can we do, um, you know, for others. And really that was the reason that, you know, we started sharing, you know, personal things on the mm-hmm. recovery page and, um, on social media and, you know, there's got to be a purpose, you know, yeah. for the, you yeah. know, if, Surely we didn't go through, you know, this tremendous trial just, just to go through it. You know, there's got to be purpose, um, you know, pain and, and a lot of what we've gone through and something that we have really learned through this experience is if you can, if you can help others and if you can, if you can give to others, it it helps you forget about yourself. It it helps Mm -hmm. you take the focus off of, you know, yourself, me, 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 my situation is awful. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, life is crazy. This is Mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can just give to others and help others and see other people's pain and try to help them, help them through it, then you really, you're able to shift your, your focus off of yourself. And you know what, that really comes full circle and it comes back around and it helps, it helps you, you. it helps us to help other people. Uh, Mm -hmm. It gives us a a purpose, a sense of purpose, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, a sense of, of, you know, there is a reason that, that we're going through this and there is Mm -hmm. a reason that, all of this happened and it, you know, it just makes us feel better. And, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes even us helping other people and people open up to us and tell us about their story. And and Kevin and I are like, Oh my goodness. Like we can't imagine going through what, what this person went through and, you know, like it helps us with Mm -hmm. our perspective. Like, you know, our lives could be worse, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, it could be some chronic illness that is only going to get worse. Yeah. Or it could be cancer or it could be, you know. Yeah. Well, no two, that, like we said, no two stories are the same, you know. Right. But, and yeah. It helps shift our focus and yeah. it helps us realize, you know what, our mm-hmm. story is not the worst so you know the worst one out there there are other people that have been through things that are harder than what we have gone through and so it helps it helps our perspective i think well thank you for being vulnerable here i know it's not the easiest thing to speak to a lot of other people that maybe you don't know um, but you're starting to get used to it then. Yeah, used to it because I think that's how God's starting to use what you've went through and yeah. finding purpose in that is probably it's the gem of hardship mm-hmm. of yeah. finding mm-hmm. purpose within it. And we're so thankful that you have opened up yeah. and been gracious and, um, and spoke to our audience. We're yeah. so thankful. Well, thank y'all thank for you. having us. Yeah. This, um, I will say this is a very good podcast for anybody. Oh. If this is your first episode, go back, listen to more. Uh, they didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> I'll send you uh, some money. Later. <laughs> it's just a great podcast and I, I highly recommend for oh, any wow. uh, Christian 
to uh, listen to. Yeah. Thanks, oh, guys. Thank you, guys. Well, we close every podcast the same way. And if you've listened to our podcast, you've probably heard our dear young married couple letter. And so we'll ask you guys to do the same. Um, but fill in the blank. Um, just thinking back over this last year, um, you know, filling in the blank with advice that maybe you didn't receive or you did receive and you're thankful for. Um, but dear young married couple. Dear young married couple. As hard as it is, try to be patient. Be open with your spouse about what you need and don't ever be stingy with your love or affection. Trust that they will give you what you need in time. Even if you don't see it immediately or in a day, just keep loving them, keep being as supportive as you can and they'll come around. And, you know, just give grace, whether it's you feel it's deserved or not. And um, try to see the world through their eyes, you know, Um, step in their shoes and it'll change um, your perspective and your outlook and Mm -hmm. uh, help you be stronger and um, on the same page. Beautiful. Beautiful. Kevin Medley, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it, and we we're fans of uh, <laughs> of your story and um, and what you're doing. Yes, we love it. The purpose thank you found in it. Yes. You guys are awesome. All right, and anyone who wants to uh, follow their story, like we said, we're linking everything here in the show notes, so you can um, get connected with them and um, follow along and learn what they're learning along the way. All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.